0: You're listening to China
1: Africa Talk. Jumbo, ni Bridget Akikuletea, kipindi kina na China na África. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. سيدة توا مرحبا بكم في الحوار الصيني
0: العربي مع Bridget.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of China Africa Talk. I'm your host, Bridget Mutambiro, coming to you from Beijing. And this week, we'll be looking at South Africa and China's role in the BRICS. Now, the 14th Summit of BRICS Nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, was held in Beijing on June the 23rd via video link. China is this year's chair of the BRICS. In this edition of China Africa Talk, we look at how BRICS has increased its cooperation with African countries and what role South Africa is playing in connecting BRIC mechanism and African countries. Joining me on the line are two guests. Our first guest is Joe Mi. He is a Senior Research Fellow and Deputy Director at the Institute of American and Oceania Study China. Also joining us today is Mr. Leslie Masdop, Vice President of the New Development Bank. Professor Joe and Mr. Masdop, great to have you on the program today. Hello. Hi there. Mr. Masdop, what are the NDB goals and responsibilities in BRICS countries?
0: So the New Development Bank, as you know, was created in 2016, and it was really set up as an expression of the rise of emerging uh, markets. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa were the founding members, and uh, the aim really is to use this institution to raise new resources, new funding to finance sustainable infrastructure, especially green infrastructure. In other words, we want to make sure that we can green our economies by investing in new productive infrastructure, whether it be rail, new ports, new airports, and so of change the trajectory of our economies. The bank is now also going beyond these countries to bring in more emerging markets from other parts of the world. And in 2021, we had Egypt, Bangladesh, United Arab Emirates, as well as Uruguay Mm -hmm. joining the, the new development bank.
1: Mm. And I'd like to know from you, South Africa became a member in 2010, one year after the first BRIC summit was held in Russia. From where you stand, from a financial and economic perspective, what is South Africa's role in cooperation between BRICS countries and Africa?
0: So South Africa was the first country from the continent to uh, join the bank. That sort of, if you like, broadened the global character of the institution because uh, at the time, BRICS was really just, as I mentioned, Brazil, Russia, India and China. When South Africa entered, I think it obviously brought the entire continent or the prospect of bringing more uh, African countries on, on board. And we're obviously very pleased that also in 2021, we had Egypt, another major economy on the African continent, uh, join Africa. Is therefore playing a very critical role in bringing on board more African countries. We are in active discussions with other African nations who are all active in the multilateral development banking system. They are all borrowing from the World Bank, from the Africa Development Bank. So we are an additional, a complementary source of financing for development.
1: Mm, okay, Professor Joe, what role has China been playing in connecting BRICS countries? We've just heard some of the roles that South Africa is playing through the NDB Bank. I'd like to know from you, what role has China been playing in connecting BRICS countries?
2: Yes, for the BRICS countries, I think China is one of the first starter of this concept. And that is kind of idea that all the emerging economies and developing countries, especially the very big ones, they can have some complementary cooperation with each other. Mm -hmm. So China as one of the five members, we have been working very hard to try to address the challenges in different times and try to find out what we can do for the challenges in an innovative way. Mm -hmm. So I think that China is not only trying to involved in the in the family of BRICS but also trying to make it more vibrant to create better opportunities for the connecting between the BRICS country and also other emerging economies and developing countries in the world.
1: As a key partner within the BRICS framework, how does China seek to actually accelerate South-to-South cooperation through BRICS?
2: Yes, uh, so for the BRICS, I think it's not a platform f- only for the trade and investment. It's a kind of forum we can discuss about what we can do in the future. As for the BRICS, we are trying to first think about the issues in a common sense and try to have similar ideas and opinions on what the world will look like
1: mm-hmm. and how
2: can we deal with difference between us of a very important idea is that uh, for the developing countries, we have been working so hard to be involved in the global supply chain. Well, it is not so easy for us because we cannot be involved in the designing of the international rules, I mean, in the, in the past or the, in the previous globalization. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, for the South-South Corporation, we should try to find out some way that uh, all the stakeholders, all the economies, no matter developed or developing, we can be involved in the cooperation with each other and try to find some more sustainable and uh, ways of coping with uh, the different situation in the next generation of globalization.
1: Mr. Masdop, could you describe though the value of South Africa's membership of BRICS? Has it grown substantially? What is to be gained from South Africa's participation at this year's summit?
0: The New Development Bank has been one of the key institutions, financing infrastructure rollout in South Africa. As you know, South Africa has got a number of programs investing in energy, for example. We have been one of the key institutions supporting ESCOM, which is the main provider Of electricity in South Africa. We're specifically looking at growing the green and renewable energy footprint in South Africa, and we are supporting various new independent power producers that are coming on stream with new solar power, for example. We are also upgrading, for example, the port of Durban, which is the main port through which our imports and exports go. Almost more than 60% of South Africa's imports and exports goes through that port. We've got a major project to upgrade, deepen, and widen the port of Durban so both in transport energy water the bank has been very active in complementing the existing government programs to roll out more infrastructure investment so in short the bank has already invested north of 6 billion dollars in South Africa And specifically what I want to highlight, we were the first multilateral bank to come to South Africa support when COVID-19 hit in around March 2020. We provided within less than two months after the worst of the pandemic hit South Africa, we provided a billion dollar loan and then followed that up with another billion dollar loan as part of the economic recovery efforts. In short, what I'm saying is that the New Development Bank has been very active and playing a critical role in helping South Africa strengthen their investments in sustainable infrastructure.
1: Mm, professor, I'd like to know what have been some of the gains between China and Africa from the partnership in trade, tourism, health and food security under this framework since 2017 to 2021?
2: Yes, uh, if you are looking at this phase, it can be divided into two parts, obviously, mm-hmm. before the COVID and after the COVID. So I think that a lot of initial ideas have been proposed to the cooperation before this period. And I think that for China and African countries, we both benefited by the complementary advantages as a resources and also as a a capacity of the industries and also a lot of things to do with ability in agriculture, technology and also the services. So after the COVID-19, a lot of things happened to block the directly contacts between the different countries, which has brought a lot of challenges to all the countries in the world. Mm -hmm. Actually, after that, I think that there are more cooperation to do with the health related issues, like the vaccines, like the different medicines, or even experiences or dealing with this pandemic. So both China and African countries benefit a lot by the cooperation because we are in different stage Mm -hmm. of development, have different preference on the economy and also from the people themselves. I believe that uh, just because of the discussion in this, all the challenges and uh, uh, all the possible ways of uh, cooperating, that both parties are trying to design the ways we can cooperate with each other, like to connect the the main cities by the uh, different uh, transportation methods of the rails, the the highways, and also the the airports airlines Mm -hmm. and that is also a you know a very big thing for both of us to to use uh, the modern technology as the internet and also 5g or other kind of communications Mm -hmm. even the satellites so both, can, both parties really benefit from the cooperation because they have some similarities, but also have some differences.
1: Mr. Mazda, I'd like to know how different is NB Bank from the IMF and the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank? Is it only as member countries? Could you explain NDB's function in detail, please?
0: Sean, so the New Development Bank in many respects mirrors. We We look the same. We have the same character as the other multilateral banks like the world bank asia development bank asia infrastructure bank and so on so we were set up to complement the existing multilateral institutions as you know emerging markets have strong uh, over the last especially the last 20 25 30 years certainly with the rise of china the rise of india brazil and all of these big emerging markets they have started to play a much more important role in the global uh, economy So the New Development Bank was really created to give expression to this rise of emerging markets because that is a key focus of the bank's activities. There are some areas where our model is slightly different. For example, we try to promote the use of local currency financing in uh, financing infrastructure. So in China, for example we have financed you know offshore wind projects solar uh, projects large infrastructure rollout in uh, china we finance that in renminbi in other words in uh, the chinese local cu- currency instead of using uh, hard currency okay. and the reason for that is that it is more efficient to finance infrastructure in the local currency of the actual country because the revenues typically of a project is in that local currency. So you avoid the foreign exchange mismatch, if you like, the, the, the currency of the loan and the currency of the revenue from the project is uh, the uh, same. So there are a number of areas, ways in which we have tried to innovate Ways in which we've tried to become more efficient, uh, ways in which we can improve on the business model of existing multilateral banks. So there are more similarities between us Mm. than uh, differences is how I would describe it.
1: But when it comes to funding, though, what criteria does the bank use considering concerns over and lending payment? What measures has the bank had to maintain a good relationship of funding, lending and repayment?
0: So the first most important um, advantage of multilateral banks like the New Development Bank is that we have a very high credit rating. So our rating is the highest of of any bank in the emerging markets. We have a double A plus credit rating from uh, Standard & Poor and Fitch. What that means is that our cost of funding is very low. It means that we can raise money in Mm -hmm. the debt capital markets and then on lend that money to our member countries at rates that are much more affordable than it would be if they had raised it themselves. Give you an example. South Africa right now has a double B uh, credit rating or it is sub-investment grade, Mm -hmm. similarly to Brazil, for example. Mm -hmm. The New Development Bank is double A+. So when we raise money in the market and if South Africa has to raise money through the bond market, they would pay as much as 400 basis points or 4% more. Mm-hmm. That would run into tens of millions of dollars in additional interest payments that they would have paid if they, if they did it themselves. Mm-hmm. So we add and bring significant benefits, financial, direct financial benefits to the country because of our high credit rating.
1: Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. Professor As the BRICS economies grow, along with increased commercial engagement, what does the BRICS have to offer in terms of trade and investment? From your standpoint, you are in China, and China is also a member of the BRICS. What does the BRICS have to offer in terms of trade and investment?
2: I think that China and Africa has a very long history of uh, cooperation with each other. Mm. We do not only have uh, the mechanism of cooperation and uh, the BRICS, but also, you know, uh, like the four the China-African Forum of Cooperation. So we have designed a lot of path to follow on cooperation, especially for the trade and investment as Leslie have mentioned, the new development bank, it's a kind of idea not only to benefit those, uh, uh, all the five countries, but also of investors mm-hmm. and cooperators from other side. So I think that uh, for China, we are in a, a new stage of development. We are trying to not only to export a lot of things, but also trying to improve the market of our domestic areas. So it will provide much better and uh, larger demand for all the products and the services provided in the world so actually i think that African country is still in the in the face of upgrading a lot of countries are trying to improve the structure of the industries trying mm-hmm. to Make better capacity in the manufacturing while at the same time to be better in the position of the service supply chain while china and african has a lot of complementary as i mentioned they can be together to design a kind of to cooperate in the trade and investment in my understanding trade and investment and they are not separated activities actually mm. there are a lot of uh, connectivities between these two kinds of things mm. so when the trade has been increased in a, a, a larger style larger quantities uh, possibly the stakeholders will try to invest in another country and they can establish like better and stronger connections by doing that well, you can find that uh, China has been in a stage of upgrading our economy while providing more opportunities for the new economy, that like the digital economy. While the 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 platform companies like Alibaba and other companies, they have been buying very big population with much diversified products, and which will also bring potential exports from African countries. Mm. So I think that uh, you know China and African has been a very closely related industrialization and urbanization, which is also what we can look in the future as possible cooperation of the modernization. So there will be a lot of possibilities for us to discuss in the future.
1: Okay, Mr. Masdab, besides infrastructure development, what other projects has NDB been funding or are you looking at funding considering the growth of member country economic projects?
0: New Development Bank, as a mandate to finance sustainable infrastructure. Sustainable infrastructure is a very wide concept which includes everything from, you know, transport infrastructure, mm-hmm. water, health-related infrastructure, energy, and and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But as you know, during uh, COVID, we had to shift priorities, so we moved towards Uh, supporting economic recovery efforts in our uh, member countries because, you know, our countries faced a very unique, once probably an essentially type economic crisis. Mm -hmm. So we had to refashion, remodel our work. So we redirected our funding during 2020 and 2021 to help our countries with, for example, job creation programs. In South Africa, we've got a number of special employment emulation programs, youth employment programs in particular. It was started because of the large numbers of people who lost their jobs and whose livelihoods were adversely affected by COVID-19. So the bank's focus remains the finance of green and sustainable uh, infrastructure, but health, education and other social elements of infrastructure uh, also will be part of our focus.
1: Mm. You mentioned the pandemic just now. How has the NDB Bank fared when it comes to assisting member countries during the peak of the pandemic?
0: In 2020 March, we announced that we will put together a $10 billion port program. $10 billion was roughly divided 2 billion dollars each for each of the 5 BRICS member countries yeah. and of the 10 billion we have already approved as well as dispersed around 8 billion dollars so within a very short space of time after the pandemic hit we were able to provide billion dollar support to all of our five member countries mm-hmm. china was the first one south africa was uh, second so we're very proud of the fact that we were able to respond with speed because that was the emergency need of our countries mm. so we significantly Increased our lending between 2019 and 2020, mainly as a consequence of COVID and the crisis would hit our member countries.
1: And how about with regards to financial assistance for member countries that may be facing economic challenges owing to the current Ukraine crisis?
0: So the New Development Bank is very distinct from, for example, the International Monetary Fund Mm. who provides budget support and fiscal support to countries. That is not part of our mandate. So when we provided the COVID-related loans, Mm. those loans were earmarked very specifically to combat the impact of the pandemic to allow countries to acquire the new ventilators, protective equipment, and all the additional expenditures related to combating the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But general budgetary support is not part of the mandate of the bank. You have the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and others who provide that kind of budget and fiscal support.
1: Mm. Professor, from where you stand, what projects is China seeking to bring to this year's summit to strengthen China-Africa relations?
2: Yes, when we are talking about the projects or what kind of achievements we can have for Mm. the BRICS, I think that at least we have uh, several different aspects. The first one is how can we continue on the cooperation on the WTO reform and the progress as we just observed from the military conference 12, Mm. the MC-12, that uh, there are some progress on the cooperation, on the subsidies, on the fisheries. And different issues. I think that BRICS has a common understanding and willingness to cooperate more on the multilateral system. While we are still facing a lot of problems like the e-commerce, like the different issues to do with dispute settlement mechanism, that will be the first result that all of the BRICS countries will have very strong intentions that we can cooperate in the multilateral system and the second is i think that for china and other countries we have been very eager to develop our economy like the recovery from the pandemic so one of the possible path is to enhance the ability of digital economy So the digital economy and the partnership would be one of the achievements this year. Mm -hmm. We are trying to cooperate between the BRICS countries to think about what are the possible and the feasible ways of improving the digitalization of the supply chain or the companies and trying to improve the ability for the companies to do the digital economies. Mm -hmm. And third one would be sustainable investment and development. While the BRICS countries are facing different challenges of sustainability. I think that we are to use some experiences what we have for the poverty reduction and also cooperation, something to do with the ecosystem and the mm-hmm. environment, which is also very important experiences we can to the other developing countries and at least developed countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And the last but not least would be the cooperation on the supply chain, because the supply chain is very fragile and, and there are a lot of pressure, like the Ukraine war you mentioned and also a lot of other issues. Uh, I think that it is extremely important because that there are so many demands from the developing countries in the food and the energy and also the inflation will harm the international cooperation in different angles. Mm. So I think that at least we have so many things that we have reached some consensus under the BRICS cooperation forum and I believe that there will be more. I cannot list them twice.
1: I'm going to ask this, a similar question to you Mr. Mazda. From where you stand as the vice president of the NDB bank, what projects? is Africa is seeking to bring to this year's summit perhaps not only Africa, but the countries involved? The
0: first point to make is that in Africa right now, we only have two countries that are members of the bank. So Mm -hmm. we support and provide financing for member countries, which means that countries that are not members, we are not able to support. So for 2022, it's really only South Africa and Egypt that will be deriving financing from the NDB. When I look at the sort of priorities in terms of our countries, when it comes to South Africa, as you know, the principal economic or the, the main deficit in funding right now in South Africa is around energy. As you know, the country has energy demand supply mismatch, to put it sort of simply, meaning that there's not enough power to drive economic growth. So Mm -hmm. we are investing heavily in a new energy infrastructure. And this is about, as I said, the supply of new, especially renewable energy sources, supplying Mm -hmm. uh, financing for new independent power producers who can bring more, for example, solar power and, and wind power onto the grid. So energy, I would say, we're right up there as the number one. Secondly, mm-hmm. I would say transport infrastructure remains very high on our agenda in South Africa. That is the upgrading of existing road networks. We've got a major project, for example, with the South African National Road Agency. Mm-hmm. And in third sector, I would say, is water. Mm-hmm. South Africa, China, and several of our member countries are water scarce. And we have mm-hmm. a significant project that we intend to finance, which is called the Situ Highlands Water Project Phase 2. This is really... A series of dams that have been built, additional dams in the Sutu, which provides water Coming through the tunnels into Gauteng mm-hmm. to provide, as I said, water scarcity challenges. So if I have to rank them in order of sort of priority, energy is way up there mm-hmm. as probably the most critical need for new infrastructure financing, transport, water, and then also I would say telecommunications and broadband infrastructure. There's still large part of our country that does not have access to high-speed internet, and mm-hmm. that is a critical area. To ensure that our people have access to the opportunities in the modern economy.
1: That brings us to the end of the program. I'd like to thank you, Mr. Marsdob and Professor Joe, for sharing your insights on how the BRICS Bank and China, the roles that they are playing with African countries, and the role of the BRICS Bank.
0: Thank you very okay, thank much you. for having
1: me. Okay, bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.